tonight. There are people coming out in El Paso. There are people coming out in Fort Davis. A crucial year. Success can breed complacency. To shape the future of America. My grandmother used to say a hit dog will holler. Uh, and it hollered uh, through this room. 33 Senate races. I'm Heidi Heitkamp and I pledge to be an independent senator. That's a crazy Democrat. 35 governorships. Republican leadership has failed our country. 435 House seats. I don't think he knows how to deal with a girl from the Bronx. In a crucial moment for Trump's presidency. They will try to erase our gains and eradicate our progress. That's what's going to happen. With some of the biggest Democrats gearing up for 2020. No, no, no. The most racist, sexist, bigoted president. It's the Politics Weekly 2018 Election Day Special, featuring the biggest candidates. I got a big truck just in case I need to round up criminal illegals and take them home myself. The most diverse newcomers. I spent 20 years as a U.S. Marine, flew 89 combat missions bombing Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. And some of the biggest rising stars in the political field. Same time, he reached into the vehicle and grabbed an object and then ran around and struck me in the back of the head. In a crucial midterm to shape the future of our country, the polls are closing, the people are deciding. America is watching today on Politics Weekly. Welcome to the Politics Weekly Election Day Special. Today, Rashawn Blyden and I will discuss the most competitive Senate races in Nevada, Arizona, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, Montana, West Virginia, North Dakota, Indiana, and Missouri. We'll talk about the most competitive races that will shape control of the House and some of the most interesting governor's races of 2018. We'll also discuss the news of the week on this special Election Day broadcast. Welcome to Politics Weekly. Uh, this is the Election Day special. Obviously, uh, Rashawn and I are recording this uh, before uh, Election Day, four days before. But as of the time, uh, this is 
being released. Uh, it is election day, so this is coming out on election day. So happy election day, I guess. Um, anyways, uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna give a rundown today about some of the most competitive races to watch tonight. Uh, obviously, there are 33 seats up in the Senate. There are 35 governorships at stake, uh, and there are four. All 435 uh, House seats are up uh, right now. Uh, we're gonna look, we're gonna look at some of the most t- today. We're gonna talk about some of the most competitive races. Uh, what to look for in the uh, well, some of the most competitive races in the Senate. What to look for in the House. Uh, you know, what, what's going to be a sign on election night uh, as to who's going to have a majority. And we're going to look at some of those governor's raises. And at the very end, we'll take an early look at uh, what uh, is going to happen in 2019, because there are three governor's, uh, governor's raises in 2019. We're going to take a preview at those, take an early preview at some of the 2020 Senate races. And we're going to talk a little bit about the 2020 presidential election, because uh let's face it the day after election day november 7th uh everybody's talking about you know that that's pretty much the day the 2020 presidential election begins um but first i want to talk about just a few short stories uh this week there weren't that many big stories but i want to talk about a few sort of big ones so first of all one of the stories that everybody's been talking about this week has been surrounding uh, a tweet Trump put out surround, uh, surrounding birthright citizenship. Trump said in a tweet recently that he wants to end uh, birthright citizenship via executive order. Um, now, uh, right, um, right now, uh, the 14th Amendment ensures birthright citizenship. The 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution ensures birthright citizenship. Um, so in order to legally amend it uh or in most cases if you want to amend uh an amendment in the constitution uh you need a two-thirds majority in congress and then uh it needs to be ratified by the states um but trump is saying he plans to do that via executive order what are your thoughts on ending birthright citizenship and uh do you agree with trump's methods of amending it I think that they'll, it'll never be amended any other way. But I'm, I think he said that he don't need. I, I have to look more into it. I think he said he don't really need. It's not he don't need to uh, amend the Fourteenth Amendment. I think he said it could be done in another way. I'm not sure exactly what well, way. Well, he said he was going to do it via executive order. Now I believe constitutionally, the cons- constitutionally, if you wanted, you know, if you want to be a strict constitutionalist. The, the way to do it would be uh, to have a two-thirds majority in Congress, which probably isn't going to happen because a lot of Democrats probably aren't going to sign on to that. Um, and then it would need to be ratified by the states in order for it to be amended. Yeah, I, I know. I don't, I, I, I'm kind of torn because I, I, this needs to be done and it'll stop a lot of illegals from coming here because they'll know that you know, there's no birthright going on anymore. So, I mean, the conservative part of me says do it by, you do it the right way through Congress and the Senate. But 
the other part of me is saying this is the only way it's going to be done. So I'm kind of torn. Ah, I see. Um, anything else you want to say on this issue? Uh, I, I'm get. I guess I'm leaning more towards I wanted to get done. Okay, interesting. Uh, do you want to add anything, or should we move on? No, we should move on. All right. So uh, Kanye West has been uh, very uh, well known recently uh, for uh, being outspoken on his support for President Donald Trump. Uh, of course, Kanye, he, he had the controversial rant on Saturday Night Live, uh, which we all discuss. Uh, or I discussed this on my show and we had Hawaii uh, Republican Senate candidate Ron Curtis on uh, when we had Maine 2020 Senate candidate Kat Lund- Dr. Cat London on uh, for the running for the Democratic nomination. Uh, she we, we when she was on, we talked about. Um, uh, how Kanye had the, the rant at the Oval Office. Uh, well, now it's looking as though uh, uh, Kanye may be stepping away from the political field. Uh, so Kanye, let me see if I can pull up the tweet. Kanye recently uh, put out a tweet essentially distancing himself from the political field. Let me see if I can find it. Here's what he says. My eyes are now uh uh my eyes are now wide open and now I've real and now I've been used to, no sorry my eyes are now wide open and I and now realize I've been used to spread messages I don't believe in. I am distancing myself from politics and uh completely focusing on being creative. Uh he went on he then went on to go slam Candace Owens um, uh, saying, I introduced Candace to the person who made the logo uh, and didn't want their name on it, so she used mine. I never wanted anything. uh, I didn't want any association with Blexit. Blexit is essentially uh, a conservative movement trying to get African Americans to to leave uh, the Democratic Party. It was started by Candace Owens, uh, very controversial, but he says, I, he ne- I, don't, I never wanted any association with Brexit. I have nothing to do with it. So what are your thoughts on Kanye West stepping out of the political field? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, he's, do- he's doing the right thing as far as the Brexit thing go. I think he feels like he was used and he didn't want to be any part of it and they 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 put him in it I think so yeah yeah I think well they li- yeah. they linked his name to it right and he didn't want that and yeah. they did it anyway so he I think he's right he he was being used for that so yeah I I could see why he's stepping away I think they probably used him because they thought Candace thought oh well I can get better I I I can get uh better you know name recognition. Uh, or may- maybe she thought that the Blexit movie m- movement could get more name recognition if a popular guy like Kanye's name was attached to it. Right, but if someone says they don't want their name on there, you shouldn't use their name. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on him saying that um, he's he's been... What, what are your thoughts on him saying that his eyes are now open and he realizes he's been used to spread messages he doesn't believe in? 
Right. I'm not sure if he was talking about Trump or the Brexit, so I'm not sure. Well, he said first he put out the Brexit, and then immediately after that, he put out a tweet that said, my eyes are now wide open and I now and now realize I've been used to spread political messages I don't believe in. I am distancing myself from politics and focusing and completely focusing on being creative. Before those two tweets, he put out a tweet that said, I would like to thank my family, loved ones, and community for supporting my actual, actual in all caps, beliefs, and my vision for a better world. So some people are saying that maybe he regrets working with Donald Trump. Some people are saying maybe he's just taking a break from politics. Um, we don't know. But what yeah, are your no, thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. That's, I mean, I could see why some people would take it as he... He regrets working with Trump, but I don't know if that, I don't know that I take it that way. I mean, yeah. I think he just wants to step back and just you know be creative, like he said, to go back to what he loved doing, which is music. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think he's been he's been really outspoken. I think he would have just said he was just said exactly what he meant if he said he, if he felt like he would, like he uh, regretted working with Trump. I think he would have just said it. Yeah. Well, and he also put out a tweet saying, I support creating jobs and opportunities for people who need the most. I support prison reform. I support common sense gun laws that make that will make our world safer. So and he said that along with the other tweets. Um, uh, And then he also put out something that said, I support those who risk their lives to serve and protect us. And I support holding people who misuse their power accountable. I believe in love and compassion and people seeking asylum and parents who are fighting to protect their children from violence and war. So make of that as you will. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, it, it sounds like he, like he's trying to, to, um, to place the two sides, two sides of the fence. Yeah. Well, I think he said he supports Colin Kaepernick because when he went on SNL, he wore a MAGA hat and he wore a Colin Kaepernick shirt. So he's all over the place. Yeah. Well, and he supports gun control. I don't know why, but like the NRA post like was trying to make it out like, oh, he's a champion for gun rights. I don't think he really is. No, he's not. I don't I don't know why the how they they make you know how how they came to that conclusion yeah well i think there was something he said where he said the problem is illegal guns um he said the problem isn't these guns it's illegal guns and they thought that yeah kanye that's that's him saying gun control is bad but i think if any liberal politician said that it would probably be a little different or a different yeah. response from it would have garnered a different response. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you want to say on this issue, or should we move on? No, we should move on. All right. So, um, there was uh, this week, um, uh, somebody accused uh, Robert Mull. There was this whole, I guess, there was this attempt to try and uh, make it out like Robert Mueller sexually assaulted somebody but apparently that attempt backfired um let me see uh 
Um, um, apparent, yeah, apparently, um, uh, apparently, um, yeah, apparently what happened was, uh, Jacob Wool, he's a, he's, uh, he's pro-Trump and he's known for a lot of his conspiracy theories, um, and Jack Berg, this is what it says here from NBC News, and Jack Berkman, a conservative lobbyist and radio host, stood in front of a half full room of reporters and activists at a D.C. area uh, holiday and Thursday to detail their allegations of sexual mis- uh, misconduct against Robert Mueller. Um, uh, several uh, journalists reported they received suspicious Apparently, though, there were a bunch of journalists were saying they received uh, suspicious emails from uh, a woman claiming someone had offered to pay her for making sexual misconduct allegations against Mueller. Um, So right now, um, there was an attempt to release sexual misconduct allegations against Robert Mueller. Um, I guess the, the idea was that, you know, maybe... If if they could frame him, you know, he might back off of the Russia investigation or maybe they could, you know, that could maybe maybe he could lose some of his credibility. But apparently that right now is kind of blowing up and it ended up being more of a victory for Mueller. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I I did uh, read about it before, but I didn't follow up on on the, on, you know, on Thursday, I didn't take a look at it but that's just i mean that just makes matters just worse as far as uh as far as the investigation goes with trump because it's it's making it look like they're desperate and they're they're trying to frame him which they probably were so it's not it doesn't look good at all yeah anything else you want to say on that or should we move on no did trump have any response to it at all or um i think donald trump jr said some stuff but i or he might have but let me just check donald trump yeah i'm uh, yeah i'm not seeing anything so far I think this was just from a, a Trump supporter, but I don't think Trump had anything to say about it. Okay. Um, anything else you want to say, or should we move on? No, we should move on. All right. So Ben and Jerry's is known is an ice cream company, but it's known for being extremely politically active. Um. Uh. But um. Right now, however, uh, they announced that they will be releasing an anti-Trump flavor of ice cream. Uh, the new flavor is called uh, Pecan Resist, uh, and it shows uh, artwork of three different women of color holding up a sign that says uh, Resist, uh, and that's going to be available in stores. Um now, let's see. I, I think there was a tweet from Ben and Jerry's. Uh, let me see if I can find the tweet, the official first tweet. Um, 
Here, here's what it says. Today we launch Pecan Resist. This flavor supports groups creating a more and uh, a more just and equitable nation for us all, and who are fighting President Trump's regressive agenda. Learn more and take action here. And that leads you to a link where you can learn more about the new flavor of pecan resist. Uh, what are your thoughts about, um, uh, and then here's what it says on their website. It says, together pecan resist, along with those nutty chunks, this pint packs a, a powerful message under its lid. Together we can build a more just and equitable tomorrow. We can peacefully resist the uh, the Trump administration's regressive and discriminatory policies and build a future that value that values inclusivity, equality, and justice for people of color, women, the LGBTQ community, refugees, and immigrants. Pecan Resist supports four organizations that are working on the front lines of the peaceful resistance, building a world that supports their values. Get to know them. Then find Pecan Resist here. And then it links you to the store where you can buy a, a, a pint of pecan resist. What are your thoughts on Ben and Jerry's new flavor? I'm sure you're very eager to talk about it. Yeah, I, let me uh, let's see how could they're just basically they're alienating half of their uh, half of whoever whoever likes ice cream and used to buy their flavors if they're a Trump supporter. They they just yeah. alienated them. I mean, I have I have myself. I'm not really big on Ben and Jerry's, but I'm definitely never gonna want to try it now. And I'm yeah. I'm not advocating for boycotting, but I myself I'm not gonna not gonna buy it, especially that flavor. That's just stupid. Just sell. You know, I don't see what they expect to accomplish with this. It's not. It's just gonna alienate half of their uh their their the public who was gonna who you know likes ice cream. Yeah, and it's looking like this is a limited batch flavor, so this won't be available for long. Um, I mean, I will say this. Uh, I, I, I ate Ben & Jerry's. I've eaten at Ben & Jerry's before. I love Ben & Jerry's. I think they make great ice cream. But my dad, because my, my, my dad is a huge, huge, huge hardcore conservative, and uh, he hates Ben & Jerry's because Ben & Jerry's for years and years and years have been extremely politically outspoken. Um, I uh, like for, and I think they like they've donated to Democratic super PACs on multiple different occasions, and they're big Democratic donors. So my dad will always like, so you can't eat Ben and Jerry's. You hate America if you eat Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and like one time, I went to go to a Ben and Jerry's in New Jersey, and he started playing the Soviet national anthem because he was trying <laughs> to be a communist for buying Ben and Jerry's. Um. But yeah, so I guess yeah, so I guess definitely isn't the first time they've been political. Um, I think if you look at their Twitter, a lot of things they say are um, are uh, you know very political. Um, Have they ever did a flavor on anyone else besides Trump? That's an interesting question. I think let me. I think they they probably done. I don't think they've done it on anybody else particularly, but I think they've done it on other issues, like climate change and whatnot. Um, but this is getting headlines. A lot of people are comparing this um, to uh, 
uh, a lot of people are comparing this to the Nike Colin Kaepernick tie-in. Uh, do you think that there's any similarities? It's it's possible. Maybe they 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 took a look at that campaign, and I think it went fairly well for Nike. I'm not sure. I didn't follow it that closely, but I think maybe they think it's going to do good for them too. I don't know. It's just dumb. I, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Anything else you want to say on that, or should we move on? Uh, nope. No Ben and Jerry's for me. Okay, we'll leave it at that. No Ben and Jerry's for Rashawn. Um, but uh, let's talk about, uh, let, let's get right into the political landscape. Uh, so, in two different set, there are two different Senate races uh, which are up for grabs uh, this year. Uh, one, both of them are extremely competitive. Uh, one of them, Democrats are hoping to pick up, and one of them, Republicans are hoping to pick up. These two races are in. Arizona, where Jeff Flake is vacating his seat. Uh, Martha McSally is hoping to hold the seat for the Republicans. Uh, Democrats have nominated Kirsten Sinema. She's hoping to win that seat. And in Montana, Matt Rosendale is, uh, is hoping to unseat John Tester. Um, but right now in both of those races, uh, the third party uh, candidates uh, – some people thought they might make uh, a significant difference, but apparently they both dropped out. Now, keep in mind, uh, six years ago, John Tester uh, only narrowly scratched by. He was running against Denny uh, Rur- uh, Raybeg, uh, the Republican, um, and he he pretty much got back in by the skin of his teeth. Um but keep in mind that year, the Libertarian candidate, Dan Cox, got 6% of the vote. Uh, and some people blamed uh, Tester's re-election on uh, Cox because of the fact that he was able to get 6% of the vote, which is far more than any than most Republican candidates, or sorry, most Libertarian candidates get. Well, uh, this year, uh, Rick uh, Breckenridge um uh is uh was the libertarian candidate and many people thought he might actually have a shot of uh unseating tester um uh you know a lot of people he, they, they thought he might have or he might have a shot of not unseating tester but he might have a shot of taking away some of the vote from Rosendale just like Cox did with Ryberg 6 years ago in the in the last election however right now um it appears as though uh, the Libertarian, uh, Rick Breckenridge, has officially uh, suspended his campaign and said uh, that he will uh, uh, vote. He, he said he will vote for Rosendale and he's encouraging people to vote for Ro- uh, other voters to vote for Rosendale. Now, because he dropped out uh, only a couple days before the election, he still will be his name will still be on the ballot. But right now, he said he suspended his campaign and he is now endorsing Rosendale over Tester. Uh, what are your thoughts on this and how do you see this race going? Yeah, that's a good question. I remember reading about this where some some libertarians were, were upset with him that he endorsed them. Yes, and uh, so uh, there's an article on Reason TV, which is a libertarian on Reason 
com, which is a uh, a libertarian news outlet. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, what was the work? What was the Democrat winning in that state? Or right now, there is a Democratic incumbent named uh, John Tester. He is hoping to get reelected on Tuesday or today, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But right now, um, and right now, he has a narrow lead in the polls. Uh, six years ago, there, he got reelected in a very, very tight race. Um, but uh, right now, this year, um, some Republicans uh, are uh, what happened was when he got reelected. Uh, Denny Ray, uh, Rayburg was the Republican candidate, and he lost to Dan Cox. Or no, he lost to Tester, but Dan Cox, the Libertarian, got six percent of the vote. Keep in mind, a lot of Libertarian candidates across the country would die to get six percent of the vote. Um, so a lot of people were saying because Tester only got reelected by four points, uh, and because Cox got six percent of the vote, he took some. Some people accuse him of taking away votes from the Republican Rayburg. Well, this year, uh, a lot of uh, Republicans were afraid that uh, that uh, Cox, the Libertarian this year, could take away votes from uh, Rosendale and secure a third term uh, bid for Senator Tester. Um, but right now, apparently, Breckenridge is saying he will uh he will suspend his campaign and encourage his supporters to instead vote for uh, Rosendale. So, well, I guess it depends on how loyal is it going to be like Bernie Sanders didn't want to, you know, supporters didn't want to vote for Hillary. So yeah. we don't know. I don't know how close his, you know, or how loyal his supporters were even tell them to vote. If, yes. Now, yeah. Now we've seen in the polls, Tester has a narrow but consistent lead over Rosendale. Do you think that this is going to deter Rosendale? Uh, uh, that's. T- I I think it 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 might. Yeah. I think it might. I think it it might because uh, it's it's not that big of a lead, and if if the uh. The libertarian who dropped out is encouraging his his uh, his uh, supporters to vote for the Republican. Then it, it might be very close. I mean, the, the Republican might be able to steal this one. Yeah. Well, then another person I want to uh, talk about is uh, or, uh, right now Donald Trump. He he has been flying in and out of uh, Montana. You know, big time. Now, Donald Trump carried the state by 21 points in 2016, which is part of the reason why this race is so looked at. Um, But uh, Donald Trump right now, he really, 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 really would like Rosendale to win uh, because uh, a couple months ago, uh, one of his nominees, uh, Ronnie Jackson, was up for VA secretary. But then uh, John Tester said, Oh, hey, look at this. I found some uh, al- some sexual allegations or some sexual assault allegations about Mr. Jackson. Um, <clears throat> and Ronnie Jackson immediately denied the allegations. However, immediately after that, he removed his name from the nomination process. Uh, and Donald Trump, this 
reportedly made Donald Trump furious. And you could hear this in his tone. He, he sounded furious about the fact that this was going on with Tester. Um, and, uh, and right now, um, uh, you know, he was furious about the fact that he, he was just furious about it. Um, and he said that Tester should resign and whatnot. And Tester has defended himself by saying that he didn't say the allegations were true. He just wanted to, or, or that they weren't true. He didn't say they were true or not true. He just wanted to bring them to light so that uh, another, a broader light could be shed on these issues. Um, but right now, uh, Rosendale is using that to his advantage. The NRCC, which often funds a lot of Republican campaigns, have been using this to their advantage. And right now, Donald Trump really, really would like to see John Tester go home. But right now, the poll numbers just aren't on his side. The momentum isn't really on Rosendale's side right now. And right now, the poll numbers show uh, Tester leading narrowly but consistently. Do you believe that this is a bad sign for Matt Rosendale, or do you think he can overcome this by Tuesday? Or by today, I guess. By tonight. Let's, you know, I'm just going to pretend like today is election day since people are going to be listening to this on election day, so I'll just say today. Do you think today this is going to hurt uh, – Matt Rosendale? I think I think uh, it probably will hurt him some, but it's going to be tight. I don't know. I would say it's it's leaning towards a Democrat, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. Yeah. Um, another state people are looking at is in Arizona. So as I said this year, uh, this is another really, really hard-fought race this year. This is another Senate race you really, really, really want to watch tonight because this is going to be down to the wire. Um, right now, um, uh, Arizona, uh, Kirsten Cinema has a slight lead uh, over her Republican challenger, Martha McSally, but it's extremely tight. It, it's just extremely tight. And it really could go either way. Um, and we'll see how it goes tonight. But uh, the Green Party candidate, um, uh, she wasn't officially, un- unlike with uh, the Libertarian in Montana, uh, Breckenridge, uh, Angela Green uh, uh, a fit, hadn't official. or sorry, no, actually, uh, Eve uh, Reyes uh, Aguirre, she was, uh, she's an activist and she won the Green Party nomination in Arizona. And a lot of people were afraid that perhaps some of the votes to her over Kirsten Cinema because she's more liberal minded than Kirsten Cinema is. Kirsten Cinema is trying to uh, run as a Kirsten Cinema is trying to run as more of uh, a blue dog Democrat, more more of say a Joe Manchin type of Democrat rather than a Nancy Pelosi Democrat, because she does know this is a state that went to Donald Trump. It is a state where Donald Trump vastly underperformed, but it is still a state Trump carried. So now Kirsten Cinema is trying to run a blue dog Democrat campaign, hoping that'll help her. And some uh, Democrats worried that some of uh, Kirsten Cinema's uh, some of the more liberal supporters that should be Cinema's base in uh, Arizona might flock towards uh, Reyes Aguirre over 
uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema because they were upset with some of her liberal uh, agenda ideas. Uh, however, that does not seem to be the case right now because Eve Reyes uh, Aguirre has said that she will not be running. She has said she has removed herself from the ballot. So now that is a sigh of relief for Kirsten Cinema, who is hoping to be the first Democrat elected uh, to a seat in Arizona since the 90s, as well as the first woman. Uh, either way, whoever wins this race is going to be the first woman uh, elected to the seat. Uh, Adam Kokesh, the, uh, the controversial libertarian activist, uh, also throwing his hat in the ring, uh, but he is a write-in candidate. And it looks like there is also another write-in candidate on the Green Party side. Angela Green is writing, is launching a campaign, but because uh, she got in so late in the game and she won't be on the ballot, she is instead right, uh, launching a write-in campaign. What are your thoughts on the closeness of this race? What are your thoughts on Angela Reyes, uh, uh, or what's her name? Uh, sorry, uh, Reyes McGuire. What are your thoughts on Reyes McGuire getting out and how do you see this race going? Oh, uh, that's. I'm not, not sure. I, I'm gonna probably say that I don't know if that the Democrat is gonna win, although they have a chance. But I don't know that they will. Maybe. And I don't. I don't know why uh, she dropped out. I'm, I don't know if she saw the, the some internal polls or what happened there. Some people believe that it was because she. Uh, she was afraid she was going to split the vote with cinema because again, cinema is more of a blue dog Democrat. So if you're a really progressive Democrat, if you're a Bernie Sanders Democrat in Arizona, guess what? You might vote for, if you're really discouraged with the fact that Democrats are nominating somebody who is at least trying to frame herself as more of a Joe Manchin esque Democrat, then that could hurt her chances and they might flock more towards Eve Reyes Aguirre, who again is more liberal than cinema is. Oh yeah, so I I, I think that the Republicans are going to win this one. You you believe Martha McSally is going to take yeah. home victory? Yeah, I think so. Uh, why do you think that? Well, I just think that the Democrats haven't won there forever, and I just think that people are just going to go and vote. Republican like they always do. Do you believe that um, that shifting demographics could hurt Republicans in the state? Because if we look at some of the um, if we look at uh, the results of the 2016 election, keep in mind, since uh, the FDR era, since uh, since the era of FDR, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Democrats have since that time, Democrats have only won Arizona once, and that was in 1996, during Bill Clinton's reelect, when he won the state over Bob Dole. Uh, aside from that time, Arizona's never gone uh, for a Democrat in a presidential race since the FDR era. But keep in mind, Donald Trump, in spite of that, Donald Trump only carried the state by four percentage points. And there are a lot of immigrants in Arizona and a lot of Hispanics there. Uh, do you think that could hurt the Republicans down the line and potentially uh, lead to, because you believe Martha McSally will win, do you think this could make the race extremely close for Martha McSally, and do you think that that factor could hurt 
Republicans in future elections here in Arizona? Yeah, well, I, I think that it, it will make it close, but I also think that a lot of Hispanics are doing better as far as unemployment goes, along with, with many other minority groups like Blacks, for instance. And so maybe that might have some factor as well. They could see that you know they're doing better, they're living better, and so maybe they, they'll stay with Republicans. It's, it could be wishful thinking, but I think that she'll still win and it'll, it'll be close. Yeah. What, what, what do you think the margin of error, error will be? Like, take a guess. Like, what, 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 uh, what would you wager? I would say between three and five. five three and percent. five. Interesting. All right. Anything else you want to say? No. All right. So why don't we move on to uh, one of the most uh, – to one really interesting Senate race, I should say, in the state of Nevada – so right now, um, this state should be, uh, again, right now, uh, the GOP, the quote-unquote skinny repeal bill that GOP, the GOP introduced in 2016, which was an attempt to try and repeal and replace Obamacare, this was extremely unpopular in the state of Nevada. Um, and Dean Heller, the Republican there, originally said he'd vote against it. Instead, he voted for it. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, and this has made, and if you look at that and you couple that with the fact that, uh, Hillary Clinton won the state in 2016, albeit by a narrow margin, but she still won it. This made, uh, Nevada, this made it seem as though Nevada was, it was gone for the Democrats. The state was an easy pickup for Democrats. They, they just had it in the bag. Uh, but right now, um, Dean Heller in recent polls has been doing pretty well. You know, he was considered one of the most embattled incumbents this year. Uh, and yes, he, he's been, he's been holding on to, uh, and, and he's been able, and while Jackie Rosen, the Democrat, she, let's, let's not forget that she was winning uh, in most polls early on. Recently, it's shown that the race is either, is, virtually tied essentially it's virtually tied some polls even show Heller with a seven point lead uh but some recent polls show Rosen with a narrow lead but it's really gone back and forth uh uh Heller only got uh Heller was appointed to the seat um I think back in 2011 yeah he was appointed back in 2011 following the resignation of uh John Ensign he was appointed by Brian Sandoval, the Republican governor of Nevada, and his approval ratings aren't great there. He only got in by a mere point. He only won uh, the special election in 2012 by a mere point. Uh, but right now, he's holding on. Why is that? Uh, good question. I don't have a good answer to that one. I mean, why is he holding on? That's... I don't, I'm not even, I don't know why he's holding on there. Trump didn't win Nevada, right? No, he didn't. And neither so, did Mitt Romney in 2012 or John McCain in 2008. Right. So I, that's a interesting. I don't know what, why he's holding on. That's, there's and, really nothing I could think of outside that the economy is doing well. 
Yeah. Um, now, do you, now my, my prediction right now is that he's still going to get the state on election day, or she's still going to get the state on election day, and that it'll be like uh, Kay Hagan in 2014. She was a senator from North Carolina. Uh, she was considered one of the most vulnerable incumbents that year. But then the poll showed her doing pretty well. But then on election day, Tillis narrowly got it. The Tom Tillis, the Republican. So I'm almost wondering if it's going to be like that here. If uh, on election day, Jackie Rosen gets the seat, even though polling isn't really in her favor right now. Yeah, I think that's 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 possible. And it I should think... also be noted that uh, since 2008, polling has. Uh, has generally uh, underestimated the Democrats in Nevada. Uh, the polls showed in 2008 that uh, McCain was was pretty much deadlocked with Obama in the polls, and yet uh, some some even showed uh, John McCain had a narrow lead in Nevada. And yet on election day, Barack Obama won the state over John McCain by double digits. And then in 2012. Uh, when Dean Heller was running in the special election, the polls showed he would win by a landslide. Some polls showed him up 20 plus points. And yet on election day, he only got it. He only won the special election by a mere point. And then uh, polls in 2016 showed Harry Reid's seat would flip for the Republicans. And yet it didn't. So is this a sign that maybe... Dean Heller could be in trouble and maybe he shouldn't take the polls for granted. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he shouldn't take the, the polls for granted. He has, you know, I, I think that the polls are, um, shouldn't be, you know, the polls in the past didn't go as planned. So, mm. anything else you want to say on this or should we move on to another race? To move on to another race. All right. So one of the most watched races this year, which has garnered national attention, is in Texas. There's been an effort from Democrats to try and unseat uh, 2016 presidential Republican uh, primary uh, runner-up Ted Cruz, who's currently hoping to seek a second term in office. Beto O'Rourke, a young congressman, has been uh, fighting hard against him, hoping to unseat uh, Cruz. Uh, right now, um, the polls are deadlocked there. Uh, the polls do show, however, that Ted Cruz does hold a, a, a size, a, a decent lead, but still in the single digits. They're still single digit leads. They're still significant leads nonetheless, but they're still single digit leads. And in Texas, you don't expect single digit leads. Uh, but Beto O'Rourke has made this election, one of the most closely watched uh, elections of the midterm season. Uh, why do you think Beto O'Rourke is able to make this race so close? It, that's also another interesting question. I, I'm not sure why he's doing well. I know that he he's doing so well so that Pr- Project Veritas had undercover video footage of, of the campaign and they're, they're getting involved too, maybe probably to help Ted Cruz, but I'm not sure why he's doing so good. That's, do, do you think it could be because he's gaining a lot of momentum? That That's possible too, but I still think that he's not going to win. Right. 
How close do you think it's going to be on election day? I I think that that uh, Ted Cruz will probably pull away. He'll gain more points. So I think I'm thinking between five and seven points. Five and seven. Interesting. Um, do you think Ted Cruz will manage to get fifty percent of the vote, or do you think he his victory is going to be in the forties? Ah, uh, good question. Uh, I I think he might get. He might he might cross the finish line. You think I he think might get a majority? I think he will. Yeah. Interesting. I think he. I think he will. I'm. He'd probably um, get between forty-eight and fifty. Yeah. Do you believe? Uh, and and apparently John Brennan, uh, just a couple hours ago announced he would be, uh, supporting Ted Cruz. Uh, or it's not Ted Cruz. Sorry, Beto O'Rourke. Uh, do you think the amount of donations uh, Beto O'Rourke has received uh, could be a, a reason why he's doing so well in the polls? Because right now yeah. it's being reported from the Hill that he's raised more than $70 million in a Texas Senate race. That's the type of money we typically see in presidential races, not U.S. Senate races. Yeah, that, that's a lot of money. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure that some of that money was given to some of these uh, caravan Honduras. It's him or another, or Gail. I can't remember which one it was, but do you remember? Did you hear about that? Uh, who? I think it was, uh, I can't think. Of, the one from Florida, what's his name? Uh, oh, Gillum? Yeah, it's either Gillum or him. One of their campaign staffers were giving away some of the money to uh, Honduras, uh, the caravan. Uh, well, we'll get to, uh, don't you worry, we'll, once we get to the governor's races, we'll talk all about Gillum and DeSantis and that whole spiel. Right, but, yeah, but right? Yeah, I, I, that, that's a lot of money he's collected, $70 million. That's really, yeah, really a lot of money. I don't know where most of that money came from, but. I, I, I've read that some of it has come from El Paso and some of it has come out of state. Because I guess he's gotten a lot of celebrities have contributed my, their own money to his campaign. Uh, yeah, I'm, as you I'm, know, they tend to be more liberal leaning. Right. I'm. I'm hoping it's a repeat where the candidate who spent spend the most money, like a, like a, what was his name, like Jeff Bush, and he still got beat. Yeah. I'm hoping that same scenario, but I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to win. That's. I think political gravity will pull, will kick in. Yeah. Uh, and right now, five thirty eight says that uh, there's uh, a twenty one percent chance uh, Democrats win the seat. There's a seventy eight percent chance that Republicans hold the seat. So that's definitely favorable news for Senator Cruz. Do you think that the fact that Senator Cruz was the runner up in the twenty sixteen presidential primary? Do you think? That could help him, perhaps because he has more name recognition. Yeah, I, I think definitely that helps him. Yeah. Um. Anyways, anything else you want to say about this definitely interesting race, or should we move on? No, we should move on. It should be interesting to see who wins. I, I mean, I mean, how much points Cruz win by? Because I'm presuming that Cruz is going to win. Yeah. So. Um, Let's talk about Missouri right now. So, uh, right now uh, in Missouri, 
Uh, Claire McCaskill is in a very, very hotly contested battle for re-election. She is run now. This was the race that Austin Peterson, the Libertarian frontrunner, ran in. He ran as a Republican. Uh, he came in third in the primaries. Josh Hawley is now the nominee. Um, uh, uh, Jaffel Campbell, the Libertarian nominee, said he would drop out and uh, requested the Libertarian Party cross-endorse Austin Peterson if Austin Peterson got the Republican nomination, but he didn't, so he's continuing to run. Um, so now Josh Hawley is running instead uh, for the uh, Republican nomination, or, 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 he's, or he's running for the seat. He's the attorney general there. Trump endorsed him. Um, and this, this race has really, really been down to the wire. So right now, um, uh, the polls are showing, essentially, it's tied. So, some of the more recent polls in recent weeks have shown uh, that uh, that Hawley did have a slight lead, but only a very, 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 very small lead. Uh, but a poll that came out from October uh, 25th to the 31st from Harris uh, X uh, shows uh, McCaskill leading by two points. Uh, so... This, this race has really been down to the wire. Obviously, McCaskill won by, I think, 15 points six years ago, but that was because she was running against uh, a candidate who had a gaffe that pretty much killed his campaign. But right now, she's actually running against a solid candidate, and the polls are deadlocked. Who wins? Oh, good question. Who wins? Uh, I'm... I don't think she's gonna win. You don't think she's gonna win re-election? No, I don't. She was she pop? Was she? Um, she's, not, she's one of the most unpopular senators in the country. Right? Yeah, I remember that. So I don't think she's gonna win. You don't think I, so? No, I I think with her unpopular, with her being so unpopular, and the, the other campaign running a solid uh, campaign, I don't think she's gonna win. Interesting. Um, so you think Josh Hawley's going to take this one home? Yeah, I think so. It'll be close, though. Yeah. Um, now, Claire McCaskill trying to distance herself heavily from Democrats in this race. She said, she said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those crazy Democrats. She attacked a Democratic state senator, uh, who, uh, who apparently, said uh, there's a Democratic state senator who said she wished that um, uh, she wished Donald Trump was assassinated. Uh, Claire McCaskill slammed that senator and said she was a, quote, crazy Democrat. And she said, I'm not like those Democrats. I'm a moderate Democrat. And uh, the, uh, the senator, the state senator uh, uh, lashed back at her saying because she's african-american so she said that claire mccaskill was racist she said she was desperate and she said she didn't actually want donald trump to be assassinated but she said that out, out of frustration after his response to the charlottesville uh riots um and a lot of progressives have been hitting claire mccaskill hard for essentially trying to distance herself from other democrats is this going to work 
do you, do you think this do you think this tactic is helping? Do you think this is going to help her appeal to more moderate voters, or is it just going to dry up her base? Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. I think it's going to dry up her base, and I don't think it, I don't think it was racist for her to call them crazies. They are crazies, so there's nothing racist about that. Yeah, but you don't think it's a good campaign strategy? No, it's not. It's not. It's going to backfire. Yeah. Another another thing which is interesting, which I've seen a lot of Democrats throughout the country use as a campaign argument, is uh, is pre-existing conditions, and 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 they're trying to say Republicans are trying to take away pre-existing conditions. Um, they're even using that as a campaign issue in uh, in Republican states. There are Democrats in Republican states that are trying to use pre-existing conditions as. Uh, as a uh, as a way of trying to get votes, because I guess the assumption is is that two million people in this country have pre-existing conditions, including people that are Republican. Uh, so the the idea is, and I guess there are some Republican voters that actually do that are that are disturbed by the idea of getting rid of pre-existing conditions or insurance companies uh, discriminating against. Uh, individuals with pre-existing conditions. Um, do you think uh, that's going to be a campaign strategy that helps Democrats? No, I don't think so. I mean, I I think if I if I could, if I remember right that that Trump talked about that about protecting pre pre-existing conditions. So I don't think that I don't think he's ever talked about getting rid of that. So I don't think that's going to work. People are saying that one of the Obamacare repeal bills that was put on the Senate floor. I think it was the Cassidy uh, uh, yeah, the Cassidy Graham bill um, didn't protect protect, uh, people with pre-existing conditions and they were trying to slam Republicans for that. Yeah, I I don't think that that's I don't think it's going to work. That's not a huge concern right now. Like, Like if I had to go by you know, order of importance, I don't think that'd be number one on the list right now. Yeah. Anything else you have to say about that issue or should we move on? No, that's it. All right. So why don't we move on to the Florida Senate race, another hotly contested contest. Uh, so right now, um, Bill Nelson, he got reelected by a sizable margin. Um, uh, but... Uh, but right now, um, he uh, oh, sorry. Uh, he was reelected by a sizable margin two years ago, and then or six years ago, sorry. Uh, and then six years before that, uh, yeah, he was reelected he, uh, 55 to 42, 13 percentage points in 2012. Not really that close. Um, he was reelected pretty easily. Uh, over Connie Mack, who is the son of former U.S. Senator uh, Connie Mack III, uh, who used to hold the seat that Bill Nelson had. Um, And then six years before that, uh, he defeated Catherine Harris, who a lot of people, you either love Catherine Harris or you hate Catherine Harris, depending on whether you like George W. Bush as president or not. Uh, Catherine Harris was part of the reason uh, George W. Bush got it became president and not Al Gore. Um, he defeated her by uh, 
uh, over 2 million votes uh, in 2006, and then he won by 13% in 2012. So pretty easy re-elect bill, uh, re-elections. But now he actually has a tough uh, challenge from uh, Governor Rick Scott, um, the Republican. Um, uh, but uh, uh, And Rick Scott has really, really good approval ratings. He's a popular governor there. And he's been able to make the, the this race really, really competitive. Um, however, recently the polls, although they are all, all, almost tied, do show that Bill Nelson does have a lead. Uh, so this one is really down to the wire. Um, a poll from Harris X did show Rick Scott had a one-point lead. Um, uh, a Vox, a poll from Vox, or sorry, it was the Vox poll. Uh, not, not 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 to be not to associate uh, not to be confused with the Vox social media group, but this is Vox popular polling showed a 50-50 tie. The the Trafalgar group showed Bill Nelson leading by two points. The Harris X group showed uh, Scott leading by one point, and then uh, St. Pete polls showed uh, Nelson leading by two points. So Nelson has a lead in the polls, but a very narrow one. Do you think that this is going to hurt Scott? Um, I don't think so. I think that Scott's still going to win. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I, I just have win. a gut feeling Scott's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I don't have any data behind it. It's just like you, a gut feeling. Yeah, I had a gut feeling Donald Trump was going to win, and I, I I have that same gut feeling about Rick Scott. Even though I don't like the guy, I have a gut feeling he's going to win. But, um, yeah, right now, um, you, you know what I think it is? Because typically my predictions are based on history. Like, I draw parallels with other elections. And uh, right now I'm drawing parallels with uh, uh, the race in 2016 in New Hampshire. Uh, I think You know what I think it's going to be? I think it's going to be a trade-off. I think... Gillum's going to win in Florida for the governor's race, and I think Scott is going to win in the Senate race. I think it's going to be like with New Hampshire, where the Democrat, the Demo- the popular Democratic governor, uh, picked up a Senate seat and defeated the popular Republican incumbent. But then in the in the uh, what you call it in the uh, New Hampshire governor's race, Republicans picked it up for the first time in many years. So that's my uh, take on it. Yeah, I, I, I think that Scott is gonna definitely he's gonna he's gonna take. I could it. be very wrong. I could be very very wrong, but yeah. that's my yeah. prediction. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, wait and see tonight. Uh, so, um, what? Let's see. Why we we did uh, Missouri? Let's do North Dakota. So right now, Heidi Heitkamp is in the fight of her life, uh, trying to take on uh Kevin Kramer. Um, and, uh, right now it's not looking too good for Heidi Heitkamp. Many people think this is a, this could be a clear pickup for the Republican Kevin Kramer again. Um, and like pretty much all the attempts that Heidi Heitkamp has had to try and discredit Kevin Kramer have failed. Uh, she tried to, there was a letter saying, uh, um, 
there was this ad in a news in a local North Dakota newspaper, uh, which uh, Heidi Heitkamp's campaign put out. Apparently, she didn't commission it, but her campaign did, um, where it had a bunch of women signing this one, you know, signing on this one letter to Kevin Kramer, bashing him for a comment saying that the Me Too movement, the hashtag Me Too movement, wasn't for tough people. Um, and, uh, but apparently where the controversy came and that, and listen, that, that had the potential to be a gaffe that could have hurt Kevin Kramer. But the problem is it blew up in Heidi Heitkamp's face because Heidi Heitkamp misidentified two of the, the women that signed on as, uh, sexual abuse survivors. Um, and that really hurt her. That really, really hurt her. That became really controversial. Um, so that's not good. That, and then also, I think her her voting no on Kavanaugh also really launched her into underdog territory. So it, it, this is a race that went from being one of the most competitive races of the year to Heidi Heitkamp becoming one of pretty much just achieving underdog status in this election. Um. What are your thoughts on this race? Is there any way for Heidi Heitkamp? Is there any way at all for Heidi Heitkamp to rebound and win re-election in this race, in your opinion? No, not at this point. I think she's pretty much done. I don't think, I don't think there's any rebound now for her. Do you think? Um, what's I gonna say? Gosh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Okay, um, so. You, what was I going to say? I have something about that. So you don't think there's any chance that, that she gets reelected? No, I mean, if there's any chances, it'll be very slim, but slim to none. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. And six years ago when she was first selected, she, um, she got elected by just a point over her Republican challenger. And her Republican challenger had a lot of skeletons in his closet, Rick Berg. He had a lot of offshore holdings. Apparently there was like an insurance company which was doing some shady things uh, which he was tied to. And that gave Heidi Heitkamp just a slight boost to slightly win. That's not the same thing with Kevin Kramer. Kevin Kramer doesn't have a lot of skeletons in his closet. And Kevin Kramer is definitely a much stronger candidate uh, than Rick Berg was. Let me ask you this. Do you think, um, because one of the issues people have been talking about, especially in North Dakota, where there's a lot of farmland, you know, a lot of land and a lot of farming and a lot of agriculture, is the tariffs. Do you think, you know, a lot of Democrats in rural America that are trying to survive this year have been using the tariffs to their advantage, um, or at least trying to in red states. Do you think that that's an effective strategy? Um, and do you think that's going to help uh, Democrats? No, I don't think it's going to help Democrats at all. Why not? I, I, I just don't think that that a lot of people are. I don't. Not a lot. A lot I don't think that the majority of people are hurting from the te- the tariff that's been happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's widespread, so I don't think it's going to work. Interesting. Um. So, anything else you want to say about this election? About no, not this one. No. All right. So then, why don't we why don't we move over to 
Tennessee. So right now, this is the seat that Bob Corker is uh, is uh, vacating from. Um, uh, this is a really interesting race this year. This should be easy for Republicans. Um, this should be um, uh, this should be in the bag for Republicans. Um, but right now, it show uh, it's looking like it's a very close race. Uh, Tennessee is a really is looking to be a very very hotly contested contest. Um, but right now, um, uh, Phil Bredesen, the reason why is because Phil Bredesen was a popular former governor. He's a Democrat and, and he was a popular former governor there. Um, and he got reelected by a blowout in 2006. He won all 95 counties in Tennessee. Um, and he won by nearly 40 points. So it was just a blowout in this typically, uh, blue, you know, typically Republican state. Um, however, right now, um, as of right now, uh, it, it, it's looking to be because of the fact that he's in and he did so well, uh, some Democrats think he might have a demographical advantage and could actually pick up the seat for Democrats. And this could be if he were to upset here, if Phil Bredesen were to upset here, this could, you know, Demo- that, that could give Democrats a little bit more hope for perhaps uh, an unlikely, an unlikely, but, uh, but perhaps possible path to a Senate majority. Still unlikely, but if he were to win here, if he were to upset here, this, that could help them do that. Um, obviously, this is a Republican state. Donald Trump is very popular here, and because of that, um, uh, Phil Bredesen is not your typical Nancy Pelosi Democrat. He's not your uh, he's not your hashtag resist Democrat. He's trying to have this whole unity and friendly and warm message uh, to try and pull you know to try and pull himself across the finish line. Uh, Marsha Blackburn is a congresswoman. She is considered a far-right congresswoman. She's been in Congress for 16 years, um, and she is um, she is uh, hoping to win this race. Uh, she's hoping to hold this seat for the Republicans. Um, for a while, for many, 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 many months, pretty much from the time... Um, Bredesen got in uh, to uh, up until just about a month ago, or no, about two months ago, Bredesen was winning. I mean, Bredesen was in the lead, um, but right now um, uh, the polls have, uh, new polls have come out, and ever pretty much ever since uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, the uh, a lot of Republican voters have been going back to Marsha Blackburn and uh, uh, a poll from October showed her leading fort by 14 points. Um, a Vanderbilt poll did show Bredesen lead by one point, but then uh, a, a, a Marist poll showed her leading by uh, 49 to 46, then 51 to 46, and then 51 to 45 from uh, Signal 
CNN uh, 40, uh, CNN poll showed her leading 47 to 46, uh, and then 49 to 45. Uh, Vox uh, Power poll, polling shows her leading 53 to 47. Uh, and then a Fox News poll shows her leading by eight points. And then a, another poll shows her leading by nine points. And then Emerson College just released a poll today that showed her leading by eight points. So, um, has this race slipped through the cracks for Democrats? Has this pretty much uh, slipped through... Uh, has this pretty much just slipped through their fingers? Um, uh, or or does Bredesen still have a chance to win here? Because he's definitely a more moderate Democrat. He's definitely more like Joe Manchin. And it should be noted that even though, you know, a lot of people moved over to Marsha Blackburn after the Kavanaugh hearings, Phil Bredesen did release a statement saying that if he were in the Senate, he would still vote for to confirm Brett Kavanaugh, and he even said he would have been the second senator after Man, the second Democratic senator after Manchin to do so. So, does Bryson still have a chance to win here, or has this race slipped through the cracks for Democrats? No, I, I think it. He doesn't have a chance to win, and it is the election of uh, Kavanaugh, and I, I think that even though he he released a statement saying that he would have it. It's not reality. He's not there, so he didn't do it. So I don't right. And know, some so. people and some people thought, oh no, like some people didn't believe him. Some people said, uh, we don't believe you. You're probably just saying that. Um, yeah, but, exactly. But you know, we don't know. Yeah, so I don't think that helped them. I think it slipped through their fingers. Right. Um. So you you, you think that one's just done? Yeah, I think it's done. Interesting. Um, so why don't we talk about the Indiana Senate race? Uh, so right now, Joe Donnelly is in the fight of his life. Uh, again, Joe Donnelly was essentially elected by accident six years ago. Um, he defeated Richard Murdoch, the incumbent uh, Republican senator there. Um, was, uh, let me look up what his name was. Um, uh, Richard Luger. Um, and Richard Luger was considered, uh, was considered a more, uh, he was considered a more moderate Republican. He was one of the most liberal Republicans in the U.S. Senate. I mean, he was essentially the definition of a, of a Rockefeller Republican. Um, he voted against his party on immigration. He voted to confirm U.S. Supreme Court justices uh, Sona Sotomayor and uh, Elena Kagan. Um, he voted for the DREAM Act, uh, and he supported gun control. Um, this made him extremely unpopular uh, amongst uh, uh, Democrats. Uh, or, th- or this made him sorry. This made him extremely unpopular amongst the Tea Party because you got to remember, Tea Party was big at this time. This uh, this made him really, really, really unpopular amongst that group. So instead, uh, the Tea Party endorsed uh, Rich, uh, Richard Murdoch, who was the state treasurer at the time. Uh, Richard Luger got the endorsements from uh, 
a lot of big people. He got the endorsement from the governor at the time, Mitch Daniels. He got the endorsement from John McCain. He got the endorsement from Alan uh, Simpson, uh, uh, who was a U.S. senator uh, from Wyoming. Um, he got the endorsements of, uh, of uh, Haley Barber, who is the former governor of Mississippi, uh, Condoleezza Rice, the former secretary of state. He just got a lot of big um, – uh, oh, the lieutenant governor also endorsed him. Uh, the, um, just a lot of big uh, establishment Republicans endorsed him. And yet Richard Murdoch, not only did he win the nomination, he won it in a blowout. He won it 60 to 39 percent. That's huge over Richard Luger, who was a longtime incumbent, by the way. He had been in the Senate for a while. Well, Richard Murdoch was considered a more far-right conservative. Uh, you know, Richard Murdoch should have easily won that state because Indiana was a red state. But he had more far-right positions, and he had a gaffe where he was talking about um, rape and abortion, which pretty, which really hurt him. Um, and that helped Joe Donnelly, who was a centrist Democrat. He ran a centrist Democrat. He said, listen, I'm not your mom and dad's. Democrat folks. Um, I, I'm actually a more conservative Democrat. I've actually voted for, I'm one of the few Democrats that's in, in Congress who's voted for more regulations on abortion. Um, I, I'm pro gun rights. And apparently the people of Indiana like that because uh, he won by six points. Uh, now he's in a really, really, really tough battle. Uh, now he has a better candidate running against him, a candidate who has, who isn't as far right, Mike Braun. Uh, and this is, again, this is Indiana. This is Mike Pence territory. Donald Trump won the state 57 to, or 56 to 37 over Hillary Clinton in 2016. So now Joe Donnelly thinks uh, he could be in trouble. Mike Braun, now I should point out, Mike Braun doesn't have a lot of name recognition. Uh, so that might hurt him. Another thing that might hurt him is the polls are very, very narrow, but right now they're favoring Joe Donnelly. In fact, one poll has uh, shows him 45 to 38, a significant lead. I think that's about, uh, let me do the math for a second. Let's see, that's five. That's a seven-point lead, and guess what? That poll is coming from Fox News, which is a Republican-leaning source. Um, but this is a Republican state. Um, my, uh, Trump has campaigned heavily for Mike Braun in this race, uh, as he said he would do if Joe Donnelly voted against the tax plan, which he did. And Joe Donnelly's really worried um, because, you know, he's even put out ads where he's essentially disowned his party, um, said his party. He said, listen, my party sucks on the wall. I voted to fund the wall. My party voted against it. My party tried to end the Bush tax cuts. I voted to continue the Bush tax cuts. My par- party wants to dry up military spending. I want to continue military spending. Um, so when you have to disown your party, you know that's in bad shape. But right now, Joe Donnelly is still doing pretty well in the polls. And a lot of people believe that uh, um, Joe Donnelly uh, could, um, a lot of people believe that he's been gaining more momentum and they think 
because Democrats are expected to do really well in the Rust Belt, both in gubernatorial races and Senate races this year. If they do really well, that could give Joe Donnelly a boost. Still a close race, though. How do you see this one going? Uh, it's very close to call, but I, I think that it is a Republican. Uh, it's a Republican state, and I think that eventually the the, the Republican will win. I should also point out his approval. Joe Donnelly's approval ratings are very good, uh, so that, that could. Yeah, that could be that... a big factor too. Then, yeah, uh, if it's yeah, that's it's gonna be tough. I wouldn't be so I wouldn't be surprised if 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 he won, but I'm still hoping hoping that because it's a, a Republican state, the Republican will take it. But I wouldn't be shocked if they did not win. Yeah. Well, another thing to look at is uh, is the Libertarian who's running, uh, Lucy uh, Brenton, because. Um, uh, if you go back right now, the polls have showed her doing pretty well for a libertarian candidate. Keep in mind, libertarians during elections typically get, if they're lucky, they get two, maybe three percent of the vote in statewide elections. The polls right now show her doing really well. They show her uh, getting uh, they show her getting like seven uh, percent. Some eight percent. Some polls even show her getting nine percent of the vote, and that could take away some votes uh, from Mike Braun, and that could hurt Mike Braun. Keep in mind, six years ago, one of the other things that hurt uh, Richard Murdoch was the fact that Andy Horning, who was the Libertarian at that point, got five percent of the vote, which is significant for a Libertarian, and a lot of Republicans blamed Horning for taking away some of the the votes from Murdoch. So do you believe that Brenton could take votes away from Braun? Oh, yeah, definitely. And if that happens, then is the 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 uh the Democrat will definitely win. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. I know the Repu- before we move on, um the uh, the Republicans have been campaigning heavily on immigration, immigration, immigration. Um they they've talked a little bit about the economy, but it hasn't really been front and center. Do you think it's a mistake not to make the economy front and center? I would say no, because the economy is is doing well right now, and immigration is still not where it's supposed to be. I'm still I'm angry about immigration. It's not where I want it to be, and so it's a, it's a still it's a big issue for me. Yeah. So, do you I rather, agree? Do you agree with the the quote from James Carville that it's the economy stupid and that the economy is more important than any other issue? Not in this case, no. Because I myself, I, I I know the economy is doing well, and so it's not a big issue as as immigration because immigration is it's not doing well, and it's it's something that I want to be fixed. And so that was one of the reasons I voted for Trump in the first place: immigration his stance on immigration. So to me, that's just as important. I, if the economy wasn't doing well now, I would agree with him. But the economy is doing well, so I would disagree. But just in this instant. But do you think that the Republicans should be bragging more about the economy? Should they be saying, and they've done this a little bit, but they haven't done this a lot. Do you think they should be saying, listen, the economy is great right now. If you vote for Democrats, they're going to take that away. Because if James Carville is right and people 
a lot of people's number one priority is the economy, then they might say, oh, gee, uh, well, I'm an independent voter. You know, the economy is doing really well. We survived the housing crisis. Uh, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want a Congress that's going to raise taxes, that's going to try and stop more tax cuts and stop more regulations in Congress. Um, uh, maybe I should vote for uh, the Republicans to try it because the economy's so good. Uh, but they haven't really made it front and center. I mean, there, there have been a little bit of that. I did see a few ads um, that said, um, uh, you know, it's the, you know, immigration. You know, I've seen a couple of ads that have been like, oh, the economy, you know, Democrats are going to ruin the economy. Um, uh, it's going to be 2008, the housing crisis all over again. But do you think that that should be front and center? Like, because well, it hasn't really, because they've talked more about immigration and more about the caravan, which I know you're very passionate about. But do you think that that might alienate some more moderate voters and, who might care a little bit more about the economy? And should they be putting the economy first so that they can get more independence on board? Well, I mean, yeah, I could, I could see that point of view where, I mean, they still definitely talk about blow their own horn for lack of a better word they should put that front and center too but they i mean, I don't see why they can't talk about both of them they should, yeah but you know they should be able to talk but they should definitely talk about it more but but yeah which should be front and center well i mean i'm kind of biased i i for me it's immigration but i could see why they should why uh the economy should be should uh, be put first yeah Anyways, let's move on to another Senate race. This one is involving um, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is running for re-election this year. Um, And then after this, we can move on to the governor's races. Uh, But right now, Joe Manchin is up for Um, re-election. Joe Manchin, obviously, is considered one of the most conservative Democrats in the Senate. this one, this seat is looking a little less uh, likely for Republicans um, because right now um, Joe Manchin has been leading Patrick Morrissey, the Republican, handedly in a lot of polls. He's been leading by double digits in some polls. Some of the more recent polls have been narrow, but still he's been leading him by a significant margin. Um, do you think it's over for Pat Morrissey, the Republican? Do you think he has no chance of defeating Manchin? And do you think Manchin will hold on? Yeah, I, I think Manchin will hold on. I don't think I don't think the Republicans are gonna have a chance there. Yeah. I yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. How close how how big a win do you think Manchin's gonna win by? Because six years ago when he was elected to a full term, he won sixty to thirty-eight or sixty to thirty-six percent. So Huge margin. Keep in mind, Mitt Romney that same year won uh, West Virginia in a blowout and won every single county. Joe Manchin did the same thing. He won all but three small counties or uh, three not really that populated counties. So now most people predict because, again, Joe Manchin wasn't running against that big of a Republican back then. He was running against uh, Jim Rassi, who had no name recognition at all. Um, but do you think, um, do you think that, uh, this year 
uh, how do you think he could win by maybe like ten percent or eight percent or seven percent, or do you yeah. think it's going to be closer than that? No, I think it's going to be like ten percent. Ah, interesting. So I think we went over all the the Senate races, all the interesting Senate races. Um, oh well, I know this isn't a contested one, but do you plan to do you plan to vote for Jeff Deal or are you going to vote for Shiva Idora or are you going to just write somebody in? I I'm going to write someone in. Interesting. Do you not like Jeff Deal? Mm, not really. I don't don't really like him that much no i don't like many of my republicans like uh what's his name i can't even think of his charlie baker i with a passion i don't like i don't like them so yeah do you think do you think it would be harder for republican for a republican to win if they were a trump supporter in the state oh yeah definitely because this is this is not a trump a trump friendly state do do you feel better at night, knowing that there, even even if you disagree with him, knowing that there's a Republican governor in Massachusetts and not a Democratic governor, uh, I guess I would say yeah, but because yeah, actually yes, because I could I could just look to the state where I used to live and which forced me to move out of that state because I'm a lawyer. So if if you if I had to choose between Malloy and Baker, it'd be Baker. Yeah. Well, and Baker's definitely more popular than Malloy. I mean, Malloy is the second most unpopular governor in the country. Charlie Baker is the most popular governor in the entire country. Um, But let's move on to um, some of uh, the, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, to some of the governor's races. So um, uh, right now there are a bunch of, Hotly contested governor's races. Let's talk a little bit about some of them. Uh, so um, uh, right now, Oregon is almost tied. Surprisingly, I think that the is Demo- surprising. I think the Democrats get that on election day. Um, but right now, uh, Kate Brown is running for a full term. What happened was uh, she was secretary in, in Oregon. The Secretary of State. They don't have a lieutenant governor. They just have a Secretary of State who's second in line. <laughs> So the incumbent governor, John uh, Kitzhopper, uh, resigned. She became governor. She won in a special election. This year, she's in a tough election for a full term against Newt Bueller, the Republican state representative. Uh, Who takes this one home? I just, Oregon is definitely, it's not a Republican-friendly place. So I'm I'm definitely saying the Democrat will take it. I don't. It, it looks close, but it's not. It's not going to be interesting. What about uh, Nevada? Uh, right now, um, Steve Sisolak is the Democrat. Uh, Hillary Clinton won the state. Hasn't been friendly to Republicans in past years, but the incumbent Republican governor, uh, or Adam Laxalt, is the Republican who's running. The incumbent Republican governor, though, is really popular. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Brian Sandoval. He's really popular. He's one of the most popular governors in the country, and he got reelected in 2014 by uh, by over 70 percentage points. So, is do you think that's going to have any effect, or does that make no effect at all on the on the actual race since his name isn't on the ballot? 
um, or, or does some of his popularity seep into a potential Adam Waxalt victory? Yeah, I think it's going to seep in. Did he, did he, in, he didn't endorse anyone, did he? I think, well, he's endorsed Adam Waxalt, yes. Right, so I think that might help. Uh, I might, that might help push him over the finish line, maybe. It's a state Hillary one. Well, that is true. That's an, but, but yeah, but that's, but the governorship, I think that's different for some reason. Yeah. So I don't, even though she won it, I, I don't know. I mean, it'll be tough for him to win, but I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he won. Right. Interesting. So another two other states. Uh, one one other state is New Mexico. This is looking harder and harder for Republicans to hold on to. Steve Pierce uh, is hoping to hold the seat for uh, Susanna Martinez. Susanna Martinez cannot run for a third term due to term limits. She's the incumbent Republican. This seems like an easy pickup for Democrats. Uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham is uh, running. Steve Pierce is really, really hoping to win here, but poll numbers aren't on his side. New Mexico is a really blue state. Keep in mind, this is a state Hillary Clinton won by eight points in 2016. Um, Huge Hispanic population. Um, is there any chance for Steve Pierce to hold on here? No, I don't think so. It's it's just just like you said, it's a it's a blue state. I don't think there's any chances. No. Yeah, and then Colorado too. So Colorado is another. That's a state Republicans would like to pick up. Kind of a purple state. Jared Polis is a really really liberal Democrat. So Republicans have been trying to use that to their advantage. I think Jared Polis, while he was in Congress, actually uh, bragged on the campaign trail about uh, helping to introduce, about trying to introduce articles of impeachment against Donald Trump. Um, But uh, that um, right now, uh, Walker Stapleton, the Republican, who's actually a second cousin of George W. Bush, is hoping to use that to his advantage. Right now, the polling shows Polis leading narrowly, but but consistently. Um, uh, and this is uh, a blue, but and even though this is a purple state, uh, Obama won it in twenty six in twenty twelve. Hillary won it in twenty sixteen. Obama won it in two thousand eight. So it has been leaning more blue in recent years, and he does have a, a narrow but consistent lead in the polls, which has kind of led a lot of people to believe that. This is the, the Democrat is favored here. He's it's not set in stone, but he is favored here. Do you believe that the Republican has any chance of winning here? No, I don't think that they have any chances of winning there either. Because you know, just you, George W. Bush wasn't really that popular the last term of his uh, presidency, so that's not going to help them. Well, he's a second cousin, though. Like, he's not going to use that to his advantage because he's a second cousin. Right. And yeah, a lot of people have started to like George W. Bush a little bit more. I don't know why. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Iraq War, but some. But I guess his approval ratings have gone up recently, and he's even gone to campaign for some Republicans this year. But... um. Do you, but do you think that the fact that this is a state that's been going blue in the last couple of years could help the Democrats? Yeah, it's going to continue. The trend is going to just continue, continue on. So it's going to help the Democrats. 
Yeah. And then a state which shouldn't be vulnerable, but, but is now in toss-up territory, South Dakota. South Dakota is uh, the, uh, the Republicans. The Republican, uh, what's her name? Um, Christy Nome is running against Billy Sutton, the Democrat, in a really down-to-the-wire race. Um, does Billy Sutton right now the the polls show a dead heat? It's pretty much just deadlocked. Um, why is it so competitive here? And does Billy Sutton, the Democrat, have a chance to either maybe win or uh, at least maybe make it close? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why why it's so competitive there, but I I think eventually the Republicans are going to win, uh, maybe by. Uh, five, seven points. I'm hoping. Even but then, it's. I mean, five close. to seven points in South Dakota. I well, mean, yeah. How did this yeah. happen? Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, but really interesting. Um, and then in Iowa, uh, Kim Reynolds. Some people. She's in a tough match for. She's running for a full term. She was lieutenant governor. She became governor after uh, Terry Branstad resigned to become Trump's ambassador to China. Um, this is going to be a really tight race. Democrats think they got it. You know, Democrats think uh, demographically because Democrats are expected to do really well in two of the House races here in Iowa. Um, they think they've got this one. Um, so is that. So they think that's gone. What do you think? Uh, I, I, I think that they, that they might be, uh, that they might be wrong. I don't think that they, it's necessarily setting stones for them. Yeah. So it's, I, I think that they're they're getting too. Uh, they they shouldn't be celebrating just yet. Right, and then in Illinois. Um, Illinois is a state where the Republican Bruce Rauner is re- really wants to hold on, um, but it's not looking too good for Rauner. He's kind of achieved underdog status. Um, again, this is a blue state. Rauner is really unpopular. The economy isn't great in Illinois, so he's going to get the blame for that. Um, and even though he is, he is a multimillionaire, so he can self-finance himself, but guess what? His opponent... J.B. Pritzker, the Democrat, is a billionaire. So not great news uh, overall for uh, Rauner. He's unpopular. It's a blue state. He's tried to play ball with the Democrats. He made he signed legislation into law to make Illinois a sanctuary state. Uh, so he's tried to play ball. And then uh, he's also he also increased funding for Planned Parenthood. So he's definitely tried to play ball with the Democrats. But that hasn't necessarily apparently been working very well because his approval ratings are very, very, very low. Um, uh, is this one gone for the Democrats? Gone for the Democrats. Um, like, in other words, do they have it? Is it in the bag for them? Well, I think that um, if the Republican, you said he was trying to play ball with the Democrats but yes and that I don't think that that's gonna work like you said it didn't work so I think 
the Democrats may have a shot here. I mean, that's why I always say you have to be a so if be governed the way that you really feel. Don't try to to appease or or what is it, step over the the party lines. What do they call it? Uh, don't try to um, don't try to be all things to everyone. You can't do pander. it. Pander. Yeah, pander. Exactly. That's the word. Don't don't pander. It's not going to work. Yeah. Well, now some people would make the argument that you should try and work to your constituents' best interests, and that if, like, for example, say in Massachusetts, a lot of people are Democratic. Some people would make the argument that it's good that Charlie Baker is like that because uh, his constituents, aside from you, are are, are typically more left leaning, and he should try and. Uh, he because you know he's an elected official. He should try and work for the people. Do you agree with that analysis or no? I mean, I guess I I mean I I, I guess I don't I would I guess I could say I, I agree with it, but I don't I I wouldn't do it. Like I would never win if I ran for office here. I wouldn't try to you know try to moderate because of because of the leftist of uh, constituents over here. I wouldn't moderate so i'd probably never win i just i I am who i am and i'm not going to try to moderate no matter where i live right um and then the polls also aren't in rounder's favor so democrats think that's gone they think they've that one's already that race is already won for them yeah it sounds like it is I, i i think tend to agree with them on this one yeah um and most people predict that he that rounder will win by at least double digits i mean at the lowest he'll win by eight points and that would be if if rounder or or, sorry pritzker most people predict pritzker will win by eight points i mean if pritzker has the worst day ever and that's only if he has the worst day ever he'll he'll win by eight points if he has the best day ever he could win by as much as 20 points some people believe but moving on, um, Wisconsin, uh, Scott Walker, he, you know, he survived a recall election. He became the first governor in U.S. history to do so. He survived re-election. Uh, he ran for president. But now Scott Walker is in the fight of his life. Uh, he got in a lot of trouble for selling off jobs uh, overseas from Wisconsin Um and his approval ratings have dropped drastically. Uh, and now Tony Evers, the Democrat, is hoping to unseat uh, Scott Walker. And Scott Walker isn't polling great. The polls aren't really on his side, but it's really a toss-up race. Some people think, you know, he's upset before. He's surprised us before. He survived recall. Democrats have tried to unseat him uh, many times. Uh, but the question is, is the, thir- is the third time the charm for Democrats? Will they actually be able to get him this time? Or will uh, Scott Walker, will he get lucky again? And will he uh, win once again? What do you think? This is, this is also very tough. But uh, I think he's not polling well, but it's, it's not out of reach for him. So I think, he, he, I think he's going to win. Although I wouldn't be shocked if he did not win, but right. I think that I think he's going to pull it off. Mm, interesting. Um, so then another race, um, which should not to uh, or another race is uh, Ohio. Um, 
Richard Cordray uh, is in a very, very heated battle with Mike DeWine, the Republican. Mike DeWine used to be a U.S. senator there. Then he lost re-election. Then he became attorney general of, our, of Ohio. And now he is running for governor of the state. Um, it's a very, 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 very hotly contested match between him and Richard Cordray. Um, it's actually a rematch between the two because Richard Cordray in 2010, um, uh, he, uh, won, uh, he won in 2010 by, uh, or he ran against him for attorney general in 2010. So this is a rematch between DeWine and Cordray because they both ran against each other in 2010. Cordray is hoping this time he can actually win. How much did he win by the last time? Well, Cordray didn't win the last time. Oh, he didn't win. I mean, uh, not. Oh, okay. They ran against each other, but he did win. So he's yeah, I'm not to sure win. how much he won by. Let me look oh. up Ohio Attorney General race 2006. But right now, polling is virtually tied. I mean, some polls show Cordray ahead. Some polls show Mike DeWine ahead. But they all have one thing in common. It's all very, very narrow. And Ohio is typically considered a key purple state. So this could go either way. It should be noted that Sherrod Brown is running for re-election in the Senate this year. And he's running against a really weak Republican. Some people think uh, Sherrod Brown, even though it was competitive for him six years ago, most people believe this year it could be a landslide victory for Sherrod Brown. And if Sherrod Brown has a landslide victory... Some people think that could seep into the the, the governor's race, uh, and that could help Cordray win. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's um, that's correct. I think that he'll win by even large margin. So, right, but it definitely is uh, close. Let me see. Let me just see real quick. Yeah. Um, Ballotpedia is loading. Let's see. Um, apparently, Mike DeWine won by a point. Wow. In 2010, when he was running against Richard Cordray, who was the incumbent attorney general at the time. Um, and then he went to go work. Uh, he became um, uh, director of the fin- of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and he kind of re- regained uh, national status that way. And now he's running for governor. And Cordray is also he's he's also a centrist Democrat. Hmm. Um, but anyways. Um, Another race which could be vulnerable, New Hampshire. But although most people believe Chris Sununu will win, uh, he, Molly Kelly is giving him a tough fight, but he is leading in the polls. Uh, and then Maine, another state um, which is looking to go for Democrats. Democrats think they have that. Here's the thing. I mean, Democrat Republicans like only have – I mean, most they're, they're going to make losses in the governor's races, most people think. Um, most people have been saying they, they can only stand to lose at this point. The question is, 
will Democrats gain enough to get control of the governorship? Um, Maine right now, uh, Paula Page is the unpopular Republican incumbent. Sean Moody is being linked to him. Most people think because of that and the fact that Maine is de- a Democratic-leaning state, that me- most people believe that that is an instant victory for Janet Mills, the Democrat. Uh, Georgia is really in toss-up territory. Obviously, Stacey Abrams is in a tough match with Brian Kemp. Um, as it turns out, Oprah... Oprah Winfrey made her first political endorsement since 2008 when Obama was running and she went down to go campaign for Abrams. Do you think that's going to help Abrams? I mean, it certainly helped uh, Obama get some of his name recognition out in 2008 because he he didn't have that much name recognition prior to 2008. Do you think this is going to help Abrams? I think it'll help, but I don't know. If it'll help enough to win. Yeah. Um, and she's running against Brian Kemp. That could, and if no candidate gets 50% of the vote, guess what? December runoff. And usually Republicans win, that, win those. Right, because there's a bigger t- voter turnout. A lot of people are saying the Mississippi special election, because there are like four Democrats and three Republicans in the race, that could lead to a runoff uh, in December. But we don't know if that's going to happen with the Georgia governor's race because Stacey Abrams could get 50% of the vote uh, tonight. That's true. Um, moving over to, and I know you're eager to talk about this one, Florida. How does huh. this one go? Andrew Gillum is uh, up against Ron DeSantis. He's beloved by the left. He's hated by the right. He's been getting national name recognition no matter what. Whether you love him or hate him, you can't deny he's gained national name recognition. Um, uh, He's coming at it far from the left. Uh, Ron DeSantis is coming towards his campaign far from the right. So there's no room for moderation in this race. Some people think that the the African-American vote could go to... uh, to Kemp, or not Kemp, sorry, to uh, to Gillum, who wins this race? It and it really depends on on um, on Florida as far as how many left more left people are going to go out and vote versus more right. I think it's it's really going to be is going to come down to turnout. Whoever mm-hmm. has most turnout, so. I yeah, I don't know. That's going to be a tough one. That's interesting. Um, let's see. Kansas. Kansas, another state that shouldn't be vulnerable. And yet it is. Why is that? Yeah, a lot of... Th- lot of this has been happening a lot lately. It's hard to explain why. I don't... I don't see... I don't understand why... Some of these states that should not be vulnerable, they are. Well, it it is worth noting that four years ago, keep in mind, Kansas is a red state. Four years ago, it was a red wave. So Sam Brownback, the incumbent, should have won handily in a red wave year in an overwhelmingly red state. But he only won by three points and didn't even get to 50 percent of the vote. And because of that, I guess there was a controversial tax policy in Kansas, which made him controversial. 
Now you have Chris Kobach running. He's a controversial Republican. Um, and uh, Laura Kelly is the Democrat. She's kind of running a moderate campaign. She's gotten the support from uh, the Republican ex-governor and a couple of Republican ex-U.S. senators. Uh, so that could help her. Um, and then to, uh, if that's not the cherry on top, uh, uh, Chris Kobach, the independent, is running. And he uh, was – Democrats cross-endorsed him for the Senate in 2014 because they thought he had a chance to win. He didn't. Um, now he's trying to run for governor. Democrats fear – or both Democrats and Republicans fear he's going to take away votes from either Kelly or Kobach because we don't know where his political positions lie. Um, he's, he's donated to some Republican candidates. He's donated to some Democratic candidates. At one point in his life, he was a Democrat. At one point in his life, he was a Republican. So race could go either way. How do you see this one going? That's that's tough. I mean, the the independent usually takes away from uh, Republicans. So, And you said the polls were close or they weren't close? Oh, they're close. Yeah, so I think the Democrat may take this one then. That would be interesting to see a Democratic governor in Kansas. And then another state which Republicans feeling a little bit better about, but still should not be vulnerable at all, is Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where Donald Trump won every single county in 2016. Every single county Donald Trump carried in 2016 when he ran for president. It, yeah. it, right now, the, the polls are deadlocked. Deadlock between Kevin Stitt and Drew Edmondson, the former Democratic Attorney General of Oklahoma. Why is it so close here? Yeah, again, this isn't making any sense. I mean, he he took every county, like you said. Yeah, and I think he's endorsed endorsed. The, did he endorse? Yeah, I think he probably did endorse Kevin Stitt. So yeah, I, I don't know unless I mean. Does he have any name recognition? Is he popular? Kevin Stitt was, well, yes, he was uh, attorney general from 1991 to 2011. So that's about 20 years as attorney general. Um, right. So the, I don't also understand. the Republican is just a businessman. He's never held political office before. Huh. So it's like with Donald Trump where he just go where he goes from being businessman to governor or instead of being businessman to president, it's businessman to governor. Right. Yeah. The only difference, though, I don't think, even though he was a businessman, but Trump also was a celebrity as well. So, right. He had, he had some. He, I don't think this guy was a, he's not a celebrity at all. Right. Right. So, yeah. So, I, I think he, I don't think, it, I don't think he has a chance. You don't think the Republican has a chance? Well, they have a chance, but this guy is so. I don't think. Yeah, I think if they win, it's not going to be by much. Yeah, which is interesting because it's Oklahoma. Yeah, that's the shock. But I think that this guy's just—I think they should have picked a candidate. Right. Well, Mike Cornett. A lot of Republicans thought they could have won there if Mike Cornett was the nominee. Um, Mike Cornett was the former mayor of Oklahoma City. Uh, and then two more races I want to talk about before we move on to the House. Um, 
Michigan Democrats think that that one's in the bag. Gretchen Whitmer has pretty much just pulled ahead, like straight of her Republican uh, opponent, uh, Michigan Attorney General Bill Schuette. Repo- uh, Trump endorsed Schuette, but Schuette's run a really, really campaign. He's not a good candidate. He's he's very boring. He's not charismatic. Whereas Gretchen Whitmer is charismatic. You can say whatever you want about her, but she's definitely a, a, a young, energetic candidate. Whereas he's just very frail and just very stiff. Hasn't run a, run a great campaign. And now she's winning in the polls. But Trump did win it. He won the state barely. Like, so barely that nobody knew Donald Trump won the state until a week after because of how close the, the race was. But still, do you think the fact, do, do you think the Republican uh, Bill Schuette has any chance of defeating Whitmer? And do you think that this could be a sign that maybe Trump winning Michigan was a one-time deal for Republicans and maybe it's reverting back to the Democratic column now? Yeah, because he barely won it, so... He barely won Michigan, so I think it is reverting back to to Democrats. And this guy, he's he's just he's not that good, not that good of a candidate. So I, that makes it even worse. Yeah, so I don't, yeah. He, they're not they're not gonna take they're not gonna take it. Yeah, and then finally Alaska. This one shouldn't have been competitive uh, because the independent governor. The, the independent governor, Bill Walker, he's the only independent governor in the country currently. He was able to win four years ago because the Democrats cross-endorsed him over the incumbent Sean Parnell. Um, um, some people thought the Democrats might cross-endorse him this year as well, too. Um, even then, he would have had a hard time getting reelected because of his poor approval numbers. But then Mike uh, – sorry um, – uh, Mark Begich, the former U.S. senator from that state, got in the race, um, and now he's managed to make this race extreme. Uh, but then once he got in the race, most people thought, oh, it's gone for the Republicans. Republicans are totally going to pick up the seat because there's no way, because it was obvious that um, because Bill Walker was more aligned with the Democrats, he was going to take away more votes from the Democrats. Um but now Bill Walker has withdrawn himself at the last minute from this race. So now it's just down between Begich and Dunleavy, the Republican, Mike Dunleavy, the Republican. Um, and now it's more competitive. Do you think that Mark Begich, the Democrat, now has a chance to win in Alaska? Yeah, I think he has a, a chance, but I don't know that it'll happen, but. Alaska is a Republican state. So. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. He has a chance, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think the Republicans will hold it. Interesting. Well, let's move on to the the House races. So I'm not going to go through every single House race, obviously. But I'm just going to talk to you guys about how... Um, Um, about how what because right now de- uh, Democrats are poised to win the House. Republicans disagree. Republicans will say, like I'm sure Rashawn, right here, who's a Republican, will probably tell you, no, 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 they're going to gain momentum. But 
here's what you need to look for on election day to see if Republicans are, are actually gaining momentum and to see if they're actually going to take the House or not. Um, uh, first of all, Kentucky, the 6th District in Kentucky. Kentucky is one of the first states called on election night. Um, and uh, right now, Andy Barr is the incumbent. You know, the 6th District in Kentucky um, – should not be competitive because <clears throat> Donald Trump is popular here. He won this district by 15 points. Um, uh, Andy Barr was reelected two years ago by 22 points. So this should be in the bag for uh, this should be a cakewalk for Andy Barr. But right now, Amy McGrath, she's she's a really good candidate. She's uh, a young uh, U.S. veteran. Uh, she was a former Marine pilot. She's run a, a great campaign. She's deadlocked with Andy Barr in the polls. And another thing that she has on her advantage is the Lexington areas of Kentucky. Uh, part of the Lexington areas, at least, are in the 6th District of Kentucky. So th- those areas, you know, obviously the Lexington areas, the big city areas, tend to always favor the Democrat. So that could help Andy. Uh, that could help Amy McGrath take down Andy Barr. Is the fact that he's gotten those areas on his side, uh, or on her side. So that is an area which could go. That's an area to watch because if Republicans can't even hold that seat, that could be a uh, a bad sign for them. That could be a good. And that that's those results could come in very early. Um, and if Andy Barr doesn't win there uh, in a district where he won by 22 points two years ago and in an area where Donald Trump won by 15 points, then that could be a sign that it's going to be a rough night for Republicans and that Democrats are gaining a lot of momentum. Another race to watch tonight is in uh, Virginia. Um, right now, uh, Dave Bratt, another seat which should not be close. This was once considered a safe Republican seat. Um, You know, uh, Eric Cantor, Eric Cantor was the former uh, uh, House uh, uh, Majority Whip. Guess, or no, former House Majority Leader. Guess what? This, um, um, you know, because he was the former House Majority Leader, because the state is historically Republican, because of the fact that Andy Barr won by 15 points two years ago, this should be an easy win for Dave Bratt. This should not be competitive at all for Dave Bratt. But guess what? Uh, uh, Donald Trump only won this district by six points in 2016. Only six points. And... Um, there are a lot of suburban areas in uh, in Virginia, and the suburban areas tend to overwhelmingly favor the Democratic Party. That could be a bad sign for Democrats or, or for Republicans. But if uh, if uh, Republicans win in Kentucky, if they manage to hold on in Kentucky, and they manage to hold on in Virginia, that's a good sign for them. That's not a guarantee that they're going to keep the House, but that's a good sign for them uh, going forward. Um, if they lose here and they lose in, in Kentucky, 
that's bad news for them. Um, and then another uh, uh, state which uh, we're going, which we have to look at, um, which is going to be called pretty early, 